0: It's Graphic Policy Radio, the comics podcast. This is your host, Ilana Levin, AKA Ilana Brooklyn. And I get to interview two of my favorite creators in comics these days, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans, who have a new comic out from Image called Die. Die is a pitch black fantasy where a group of 40-something adults have to deal with the returning unearthly horror that they barely survived as teenage role players. If Kieran's in a rush, she describes it as a, quote, goth Jumanji uh, that only captures a sliver of what you'll find in the oversized debut issue, which just came out this week, where fantasy gets all too real. Uh, but first, they want to wish everyone a happy Hanukkah, a holiday celebrated not just by yours truly, but also canonically celebrated by Ben Grimm, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing, Kitty Pride, Batwoman, Ted Kord, both sets of Maximoff twins, and no retcon can take that away from me. So textually by Cal L., who you know is Superman. And if you read Alex DeCampi, Rostein, Stein, D. Conniff, and Ted Brandt's amazingly touching free fan comic, Hell's Kitchen Movie Club, Hanukkah is also celebrated by winter soldier Bucky Barnes. May his mechanical arms WD-40 last for eight extra days. Anyhow, this week we are talking about the new series Die. Uh, It really is one of the best new series I've picked up this year. Excited to introduce, welcome back to the show, Kieran Gillen. He is an award-winning writer based in London, Britain. He is best known as the co-creator of The Wicked Plus the Divine and Phonogram, one of my absolute faves. Uh, His comics work has been published by basically everyone, and he's written all of the Marvel superheroes you've heard of, and a few of you haven't. He's written extensively for Star Wars and is the co-creator of Dr. Aphra. Die is his latest ongoing comic. He mainly plays fighters with big mouths. And joining me for the first time is Stephanie Hans, an artist based in Toulouse, France. She is one of the most prolific and in demand cover artists in the Anglophone sphere and has worked for all the major comic publishers. Her sequential work has been seen in The Wicked and the Divine, Spider-Man, Angela Journey into Mystery and Batwoman. Die is her first ongoing comic. She mainly plays wizards with big swords.
1: Welcome to the show, you guys. Hello, love to be here.
2: Hello, happy Arnuka.
0: Thank you. Um, so I'm incredibly excited about this series because it combines some of my favorite things, which really includes playing role-playing games, tabletop role-playing games. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit with our listeners about how, this, how you guys got started working on the series together?
1: Uh, shall I do take handles? Oh this? yes, please. Okay. I mean, basically, uh, in San Diego, 2016, I was wandering around the mall they have there, <laughs> eating ice cream <laughs> with Jamie McKelvey, Ray Fawkes, and myself, uh, and we just we were just riffing, you know. And, we, and I think somebody, I can't remember who, maybe me, it could have been, it could have easily been someone else, said uh, whatever whatever happened to those kids in the D <laughs> and D cartoon? And so we started joking about them being middle, middle-aged people horrified by the experience. <laughs> uh and of course there was actually jamie bless him and his wikipedia knowledge uh knew that um actually they, they did actually get home that was the thing that, that it, for people who don't remember the 1980s dnd cartoon it's basically a lot of group of kids go on a fairground ride and get transported to a dnd world and have adventures trying to get home um so i chewed that over and, it's, and the idea is nagging at me uh because i was looking to do something after you know next after wikdiff really uh and it nagged at me and it nagged at me until like having dinner with like all the image people that night it kind of hit me why it was nagging at me burst into tears and immediately was like oh right i'm having a visceral emotional reaction to this comic idea um i know exactly why it has to be what i do next and me and stephanie were already talking about doing a book together uh, in fact we we're working on a couple of other ideas like floating around but there's one thing i've never even shown stephanie i was thinking about uh, and immediately it was like no this is what we should do and i um, just mailed her saying okay this is what i want to do why are you you know are you up for this um,
2: yeah, uh, you know, um, I, I used to work on fantasy books when I, I was in France and I put it on the side for a while. I think I sent you a mail about it, like when we were talking about potentially working together and you were like, oh, actually, that might be something that we we could yeah." Mm.
1: Yeah, it was exciting. And, of course, we and Miss Stephanie, we met on Journey to Mystery, uh, which is a book we did for Marvel about uh, kid Loki. And Stephanie... Um, did the vast majority of the covers there were a few towards the end she didn't because there was a crossover but like she absolutely sort of defined the visual entrance points of the book uh, and she actually drew the internals and the final issue so ever since then and that's one of my favourite things I ever did for Marvel it was like oh it would be amazing to do a full book with Stephanie
2: yeah, yeah actually I had been nagging uh, the editor at the moment to do a full issue at the moment or another like this is the first... actually they gave me an end before but uh, uh. I was very happy to close the series
1: it was pretty amazing, yeah. So that's kind of like the core of it.
2: That's really exciting. I uh, one of the things I
0: was thinking about is we always talk about comics as a collaborative art form because it obviously is. And when I'm trying to explain to people who don't play role playing games what the appeal of playing them is, is that it really is an exercise in collaborative storytelling. So I was thinking, like, what, like, how does that sort of fit together with you guys telling the story together? Um, d- does it have a connection to your experience role playing? Does that is that something you think about as like the appeal of role playing at all, or the appeal of making comics?
1: I must be, It's interesting. I mean, for me, it's like there is a long period of collaborative. I mean, I've been drawn to collaborative art forms all my life, and I would, I have agree with you. I would include role playing games in terms of the. Um... It's like a, It's like being a. a sto- it's like being in a band, but for storytelling. <laughs> There's a metaphor. A is <laughs> entirely. I've never thought that before, but that's kind of oh no, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Let's form a band, <laughs> uh, and you know, let's form a party, if you will. Uh, so there's definitely some crossover in our thinking. I mean, Stephanie talks about like oh, I'm the games master and she's the party. You said yeah, something like that once, didn't you?
2: That's true. I do a lot of gesticulation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but like, it's very. I mean, it's it's a quite a different. No? One of the joys of comics is every different sort of relationship is is very different. Uh, like me and Jamie, is, like like, so much of the stuff is me having the core idea, not even the core idea, like, the whole story, and Jamie has a veto, but it's all, and Jamie's all about the execution, you know, it's like kind of, like, he's like the director and the rest of the cast, but I'm like, the actual writing part is absolutely, 100% like me. Um mm-hmm. Whilst me and Stephanie has been much more fluid, <laughs> and it's been this, <laughs> my satellite is like collaborating with the ocean, as in, I, I, I do as much as I normally do, and I've done a lot of, like, research and world building and overthinking, then Stephanie kind of riffs and it's like this real and she brings so much back in which i then have integrated and it's really twisted the book in like fundamental ways Like there's at least two of the core cast who have changed conceptually in a very real way and some of it's like we just about a year ago wasn't it you came back mm-hmm. like we're in my house at the moment uh, last time stephanie stayed at my house and we spent a lot of time talking about like our experiences of oh, fantasy oh yeah you had
2: a notebook and you were noting things actually
1: yeah I was asking like so tell me about like your experience with fantasy as a, as a, as a teenager so like there's certain characters who have got like stuff like it's always autobiographical with me and people I've known but I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to have stuff from Stephanie's life as well in there so um yes is the answer to the question <laughs>
2: That's true that I came with a lot of things that (laughs) you certainly didn't expect. Like, he he was sending me stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, and what does it mean? And uh, does that even exist uh, in that book? And I don't want to say too much because it might be spoilery, but, you know, I I came with a lot of questions that I don't Mm. know if you uh, asked yourself those questions before.
1: It's tricky. I mean, it's definitely some questions. I mean, for me, writing is a process of discovery. I mean, like, I was about to say, I'm quite a good interviewee, and that's like egotistical nonsense. But like, I always remember, like, I read something about Chuck D, and Chuck D always practiced every single interview question. And at some level, interviews are, for me are a way of me rethinking about what the book's about. Mm. So, as I've thought about any logical question someone might ask me about a book. Uh, and so, of course, the process with Stephanie in terms of like ask, you know, the 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 interrogation of what we're trying to do is really useful. I mean, kind of, and it's quite interesting. Like Stephanie, there's so much. I mean, kind of like even before Die existed, part of my whole thing I wanted to do a fantasy book with Stephanie was <laughs> the, the world really needs a Stephanie Hans fantasy universe. <laughs> and that kind of like, the, and part of Die is, you know, it's a book, I've talked about the D&D cartoon earlier, and it's not nothing at all like that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, yeah. I said that's the core inspiration, but we've, we've taken it somewhere completely different. But are, at least part of it is there's going to be some people having a very nostalgic relationship with it because it's a fantasy game. And it was quite important to me, no, this is a fantasy world you probably haven't seen before. But yes. also
2: the thing is, neither of us are nostalgics
1: mm.
2: fundamentally. So,
1: yes, I mean, actually, one, one person's review about it picked up the original word and nostalgia had a kind of much more. If you go back to the Greek, apparently nostalgia had a much more concept of sadness to it. Mm. And so, so do, you know, die is, is a pretty in, in the Greek sense. Die is very nostalgic. It's about like sadness and difference, and like like it's not even wanting to be back there, but aware of the sadness yeah. of time. Um, but it's quite important too. We're going to this fantasy world and it's not just a load... Whilst it is a, absolutely a deconstructionary book that examines things from many different angles, it's also, this is a unique fantasy world you have not seen before and it's going to, like... The way Stephanie draws a dragon is not like a, norm, like a standard dragon. The <laughs> idea... like I often talk about planetary in terms of, like, one of the great joys of planetary as a book was how it kind of took all these kind of things that made up superhero comics and as well as talked about them, it kind of reminded you why they were interesting in the first place. I mean, like... And that's kind of like, obviously we haven't seen much of the fantasy world in the first issue, but that's definitely kind of our intent.
0: Well, you know, with building the fantasy world, like you guys have quotes from J.R.R. Tolkien in the back. And that's so funny to me because, you know, I also know that this is so specifically trying to have a fantasy world that is not just a replay of like what has become a really basic mm. J.R.R. Tolkien locked in amber tendencies and fantasies. So like specifically with Stephanie even, like how are you... Uh, conceive of building a fantasy world that is something we haven't seen before and isn't just like the same, you know,
2: home edge? Well, I, I don't know if I can really answer uh, this question. Uh, most of it comes from the desire to make something that looks real and tangible. You know, um, one of my favorite artists uh, as a fantasy artist was um, John Howe. And he was actually in my school, like, way before me, but still. Uh, and I always appreciated the fact that uh, when he was doing gr talk, uh, Tolkien illustration, uh, all, all the things he did, he did had a sense of um, dignity and, and something that looks, you know, it wasn't cheesy. I don't know if <laughs> that means something, but uh, this is what I want to do. I, I want to create something that's not cheesy.
1: I mean, a lot of the world building just comes from not doing what Tolkien's doing, <laughs> you know. Right. And like I tell you, it's like issue three actually is our top. I I've got a lot of quotes, and obviously, since we've got a quote on the back, there's going to be a lot of quotes across the whole series. So choosing which one of these many quotes to stick on the back cover was <laughs> kind of quite difficult. Like I, the, the fact that issue three we finally actually do it. Like issue three is a, a very weird deconstructionary Tolkien issue, and it's nothing at all like any. Fan, it's not like a Middle Earth issue, is another way of putting it. It's me kind of trying to. A part of my research, I've got a big pile of Tolkien books to my right, is actually coming to terms with Tolkien. Because I, for mm-hmm. quite a while, have been angry with Tolkien. As in, people used to say about Journey to Mystery, is a great. There's a very kind quote by Doug Walk saying that Journey to Mystery was the most affectionate killing of fathers he'd read. And the cons- you know and that kind of as opposed to the usual you're not my dad kind of angry kind of relationship it was kind of I was like playing with more and uh, gaming and whoever and generally just teasing, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. and I felt, and I felt quite good about myself in terms of how there's a lack of rage beneath that. I said, oh yeah, I definitely came from there, but so what. <laughs> but and then I found myself thinking about Tolkien, and I know oh, I'm angry with Tolkien. As in, I was angry like the, the, I have if you get me riffing on elves, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, these master, you know, this kind of master and the, the very awareness I would be an orc, you know, in Middle Earth. Very clearly, I'm an industrial, like, working class person. I would be an orc. So, kind of, all that was, is very clear to me with Tolkien. But actually, doing the research of Tolkien, oh, I've made peace with him. Like, I, you, I've i forgiven him in that way. As in, it, he was kind of writing from where, to the place he came in, you know, the, he can't, you know, when that they got more into the biography, it was like, there's no way Tolkien, whose experience of cities is basically, oh, my mum's, mum died there. You know? You, cannot, <laughs> oh you know, you know, you know, I mean, as in like, so I completely yeah. I don't I, at talking as a human being. I saw him as a human being and kind of got him. And I'm like, whilst I still can sort of pick apart the influence, I think I ended up being a bit more, a lot more fonder of him. And I, that's kind of what the story is in some degree about. Because mm. uh, anyway. So that's not the whole story, that that issue. Sure. And I, I picked that as one example. And that's mm. kind of the deconstruction. I'm really talking a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, the deconstructioning aspects of like die just kind of do that. You have these spotlight issues that kind of drill down into things that made fantasy happen. Like you know, there's the, there's a bit about the Prussian military war games like the whole the Krieg spiel if you know that. And there's yeah. uh, there's a bits about the Brontes and there's kind of various of it. Like HG Wells weirdly has a very big role because HG Wells is obviously instrumental in the growth of hobby games. Um, mm-hmm. So and it's all over the place, which is kind of the fun. And that's at least trying to get mythology that grows from the mythology of RPGs. And kind of becomes its own kind of thing leads to so much about this what we need to make does that make any sense words, the fact, I mean, know, it's, yeah. it's literally set on a d20 you know and the, okay what do we do how do you actually conceptualize a d20 world and kind of riff from there well it's
0: so funny because i was like literally talking with a mutual friend of ours who just recently started playing rpgs as well and we had this moment where we we're like wait i'm sorry are we talking about class or are we talking about class right mm. it's impossible <laughs> to talk about role-playing games without, in in terms of the characters you're building, without saying, okay, well, what's their class? But then it's so rare that they acknowledge that this is like a really essentialist way of talking about like social class in a society. And one of the things I loved about this comic is one of the very first pages, you literally have a character commenting, we're playing our game at Saul's house because he has more than one bathroom. And I love the the class consciousness Mm -hmm. within this fantasy comic slash based in reality comic too.
1: Yeah, that's. I'm really I, I was, when you, when you start talking about class, I knew you were going to pick up at that. It's like, and I'm very glad because if anybody's going to get what that caption was about, it's on it. You know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you. absolutely. It's that kind of. Um, there's a lot about die in terms of what we're trying to at least what I'm I'm trying to write a bit more honestly. It's a lot about where I came from, and it's, it's I'm from Stafford. You know, so I'm quite the characters aren't me, but there's a lot of stuff which I know and experienced and thought about. I mean, it's one of those things that you know it, I quite like that people are retiring the word race. From um, RPGs, like mm. the, if you read old RPG manuals, that were uh, you know that you, you start looking at the idea of races, like the evil races, and you start thinking yeah. that's not that's not only you don't even need to just start trying to unpack that. <laughs> that's just immediately, oh right, that's uh, uh that we can see exactly what you're saying there.
2: I've seen people starting to wonder which one of the character you were supposed to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, So that's not interesting. Cause I mean, Stephanie it was Stephanie's idea to make um uh Dominic. <laughs> uh, be a sensitive metalhead, and I, I would never like. That's what do you want to talk about? That it,
2: it was too close to home for you, right? Yes, it was.
1: It's like the fact that you know, as I was a sensitive metalhead when I was a teenager, <laughs> I wouldn't have made uh, like Dominic that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you know, it's just some kind of character that I've seen, I've known when I was young, and it's kind of sad that you don't see them a lot, a lot more at least uh, in comics or mm. like pop culture, literature, or you know, because those uh, those people existed and. They were, they were the kind of real romantics of my time.
1: Yeah. It's funny. It's like, uh, Stephanie was telling me, it's like, you always see like the Bill and Ted and the Wayne's Will sort of idea of a metalhead, And it's not, you know, that, if it's all about the 90s metal, it's the, it's as much as the guy who's like painted all the Iron Maiden art on the side of his so art So many folder. of them. You know that guy? <laughs> and it's like, um, and that's such a, especially with comics, that's a very comics kind of archetype. Um, so it was really, that's an int- that's a really useful thing about like Stephanie talking about collaboration. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of, like, what is fantasy for? I mean, going back to the class thing, but the idea of what is fantasy for is kind of hard-baked into Die. I mean, there's a lot about role-playing games, per se. And, obviously, we're talking about, like, role-playing game as a technology, as in an infective techno- techno- technology. But, and I said, by examining where it comes from, we can talk about, essentially, a lot about how fantasy works in the wider sense as an our concept fan- uh, to imagine things. So that's kind of what Die's about. But uh, and the RPGs, for me, are an amazing sort of, like, prism to view through that. And I said, but well, at the same let's talk time, about. Sorry, as in we're putting them push and pull between that very serious mm-hmm. aspect at the same time as trying to make a, a new working living fantasy. That's what part of the real interesting tension of Die. Uh, and kind of we talk about like the character classes like Godbinders and whatever, very clearly commentary upon bits of DD, but at the same time, they are fantasy people can buy into. And the kind of like the, the, the tension there is really very important for us.
0: Well, talk about designing the cast because you know you're, you're in this case you're, you're essentially designing the cast three times you're designing the cast as young people you're designing the cast as their roles that they're playing in the rpg and then you're designing them as older people um so you're basically designing the cast three times over uh, how did you guys develop the characters together especially considering those three different phases of their being
1: wow that's really tricky let's talk about the visual side first, and i'll think it's like because the characters are, are... You talk about the visual side, and then I'll come yeah, back.
2: Yeah, I, I basically didn't want to uh, overdo them while in the the real world part. You know, I just wanted to make them very, uh, very real. It's it's about connection. I have a lot of connection with all the characters, and even though sometimes I don't like them, I try to understand
1: them. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. I agree. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, all my characters, I come alive. I want to beat up a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, there is one I specifically uh, refer to him as the man spreader you know <laughs> each time we talk about him yeah. but I, I don't like even that you know i love him and you know it's it's like you, know, you when you have children you pretend you always love them the same way but you don't mm. and uh <laughs> oh i shouldn't say that right <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, you never admit it as you can oh. tell that me and Stephanie don't have kids <laughs> <So come
2: Yeah. laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, and well, uh, but the, the counterparts uh, in the game, they have very strong visual. But you know, it's it's like when you think about yourself, when you're designing your own character, of course, you kind of overdo it. And all their designs come in a way from the way they designed them uh, while well in, in the 90s when they were teenagers. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't do it the same way if they had to do new characters now. But mm-hmm. this is this is how they were, and this is this is how they stay, mm-hmm. you know. And if you if you can pick the influences, uh, I don't know if I, I should talk about it right now. But there are some of them that are very very. Uh, um, uh, I think we easy talk a little think. bit,
1: I mean, it's like especially because there's, there's some stuff uh, issue too. But like the initial visuals, you certainly see it's stuff like when you <laughs> see Chuck. I mean, this is what Stephanie's idea. Like obviously, you know Chuck as a character. As that he's mm-hmm. deliberately aggressively shallow, and of course, aggressively shallow is an interesting character. As are the people, you know, and especially when you're surrounded with people who are much more grounded.
2: Uh, I don't know what that says about me that i put him in a, like a hipster skin.
1: You do, you no, know, no, but you know, <laughs> the fact it says player across his back of his jacket, yeah. which I'm not sure not, that, that's only visible on issue two's cover. I think. But
0: oh, no, I saw it. I saw it internally uh, no. in. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that's so, well, it's, that was Stephanie's idea, and I, mean, I laughed out loud. It's like, uh, like, no, that's death, that's beyond perfect. Because it's
2: obnoxious.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: yeah, it's also, uh, there are a lot of things uh, coming in the influence of the uh, the character. Like, uh, certainly one of the most evident was uh, George Michael. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, the faith, like, literally, the Faith video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. totally. Yeah. It's like a there was like, Especially we we're about A little bit with the world building But I was very explicit What would a precocious If you If Soul being a, An extremely precocious 16 year old If he was designing A fantasy world Trying to be adult In 1991 What would he do <laughs> You know what <laughs> I mean And there's a lot of that mm-hmm. as in, and, like, and you see that In the characters And like uh, you know, he said the George Michaels a really good example, yeah. and the kind of the 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 Femi Eddie the Head of um, Oh Ash yeah is really interesting. Yeah, I think.
2: We, we went through a lot of process through this character because at first, since I designed uh, him as a metalhead, mm-hmm. I wanted his counterpart to be literally at least half the the the, the Eddie the Head. Mm-hmm. He literally had half the the head of uh, Eddie. We kept the oh of Eddie it. from he, Iron
0: Maiden. You mean yeah, 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 Iron Maiden yeah. yeah. mascot? Exactly.
2: Yeah. 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 So uh, you see, like uh, he kept the white hair, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the face is changing. Well, he used the power, uh, the the powers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Stephanie originally kind of wanted it to be all the time, like Hella. it has a uh, kind of half like monstrous head of the head, and the other half that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, for various reasons, of the, <laughs> the, the theme. I kind of like. No, uh, when when uh, when Ash uses the like, the powers, that that kicks in, and it's quite interesting. You get the kind of like, oh yeah, that's. There's, a, there's a, one of my favourite lines in Bill and Ted is our album co- <laughs> our album covers totally lie to us, dude, when they arrive in hell. And I'm like, uh, with uh, Ash, no, no, the album covers didn't lie in anyway. <laughs> it's, it's all real. All the album <laughs> covers are real. Uh, oh. But like aesthetically, like 1991, especially the end of 1991, where it's set. This is like kind of the birth of the 90s, really. Because like uh, Nevermind has literally come out. Mm. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade the RPG has literally come out. The you know the Iron Curtain has fell. So like the cold you know the end of the Cold War you know, it's this kind of liminal state, and whatever the 90s were, this very weird, like, short period between, like, weirdly blessed, like, I look back, there's, as sort of, um, how incredibly lucky those children were, including myself, to grow up in this, like, weirdly <laughs> safe time, like, and I know you, that's speaking extremely broadly, shall we say, uh, like, compared to, for example, now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was, I was trying to, like, capture a lot that in a little bit, and this, of course, speaks to the characters, but in terms of, like, those six core characters across those, um, I kind of there's about of course d- comparing compare the with Wiccan Divine. Wiccan Divine is like twelve to fourteen lead characters. Like Laura's the main one, and by far is the most complicated. And the rest have their own arcs, but they're kind of arcs in support of Laura's journey. Uh, with Diary, we have these six main characters, and they are all. I mean, Ash is a narrator for the most of it, but um, they are much more complicated characters. As in, they kind of have at least. Each one had in Wicked, they kind of had one main axis. You know, Ball's story is about his relationship to pride and masculinity and what, what you should do, what is actually justified, and how people internalize masculinity. Uh, like, and like the die kind of have three or four each, you know, each of them are kind of like pulling and trying to setting them up as like, okay, where they were then and what they kind of got now. That is the re- you know, what I mean, that's the kind of the fun of him, and that's the reason why you get the characters, like, someone like Isabel like at least the primary axis you see in the first issue is like ha- how she's like you know this button pressing rude edge edgy kind of person you know and she's and that's quite quite hard in terms of she's act- she's actively homophobic at the, in the um, in the opening scene and I don't want to ju- I don't I'm not the sort of person who likes dropping slurs for the sake of it but like uh-huh. kind of how could I be like and it, she is sharply homophobic but in a way and she's done it in a way which also speaks to the kind of the imaginative of nation of her character so, like, and it, it sort of slips by a bit, but will still be kind of very clearly. And then you meet her in the present day, and she's fucking regretful. And that kind of, oh, I was a complete... I was a shithead back then. Uh, and that was really... And the idea of, like, regret as like, oh, I used to be a really bad person uh, and trying to make amends. At the same time, it's she's still sharp. You know, and it kind of... Mm-hmm. You get these bits that pop, and that's kind of... You could show how that changed. I mean, it kind of... And she's also it? French,
0: which is, like, yes. I was thinking if that was a Stephanie...
1: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no no it's like so. Like, when we're having the conversation about she's got sh- you know she has got stuff which 100 percent comes from Ste- not actually that i'm not saying <laughs> Ste- that stuff was kind of there already <laughs> but some the other side of her and those are kind of other threads which kind of come out or very much like in stephanie and that kind of you know there's reasons why she's pissed off with people <laughs> and that's kind of definitely stuff which kind of comes from the conversations me and stephanie had and
0: also think about like the relationship I mean, and this is not a spoiler because it's right up in the earliest part of the comics. Like, you're also writing a character who's lost an arm. And, like, how do you do that in a way that isn't going to be messed up? Is, yeah, it, yeah. Is, is, is a real question.
1: I mean, like, the consult... I mean, we've got a... We have a... We took some consultancy on it as in a, a Sally, who will be... I'll be talking about Sally, I think, in issue three's back matter, But it was one of those kind of, like, talking to her. And there's a kind of a... When I am doing stuff about not my own experience like there's a difference between my basic take of representation and like if you were telling a story you you telling a story featuring a character who had that experience and not making it that experience in mm-hmm. mm-hmm. other words like uh, in the same way like in, in wicked divine cassandra is a trans woman and she um you know and that absolutely impacts everything that happens to her in the story but it's not a story about her being a trans woman right in the right. same way this despite being the experience where she lost an arm like her story is not defined by it but it's 100% shaped by it and that's kind of like when I'm talking to Sally in terms of like okay what sort of stuff should we be thinking about how should this impact be but at the same time it's not a story about like um, that specifically it doesn't make sense I said it's mm-hmm. definitely okay it impacts yeah. it on every single level <laughs> uh, yeah. and it's like you know and it clearly like impacts Ash because Ash definitely thinks about it and him and him and uh, Angela have never been able to talk about it that's one of the tragedies in the book uh, but how it actually impacts Angela is in a very different way because it's kind of like it, how to phrase this. It's it's something that's impacts her life in enormous enormous ways. Clearly, uh, but mm-hmm. on on the list of her problems in her life, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. not a, it's not at yeah, yeah. the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. She's got. I mean, she, she gets this very long pa- the section where she meets uh, Dominic having drinks, and it's like, oh yeah, her life is a complete fucking mess, right? Now. <laughs> um, and that's kind of like the kind of the core stuff of her. I think is that. But, like, that said, they're complicated people. There's a lot of, in mm-hmm. terms of, like, one of the last-minute redraws we did in the, was after talking to Sally, was making sure that when she appeared in the first issue, she's very aware of the hand again. You know, and the kind of, mm-hmm. and the expression she's got as she's looking at her hand is very much like, it is a mixed and complicated feeling she's having about that. Um, right, because she
0: has a, she has having her, like, I joke, like, wrote her, like, her, her metal, prosthetic, magical, cybertech mm. arm again. There's. Yes. Yeah. It's
1: complicated. Well, yeah, like, when I,
2: I designed her, like in the real world, uh, I, I didn't really want to give her a prosthetic. I think, like she, she, she did the, the uh, some work uh, on, on herself, and she doesn't feel the need because it, I don't know if it would be really uh, um, mm-hmm. like useful more than painful to wear, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the the arm is cut quite high. Mm. Uh, and so she did, she did the work on herself to be comfortable with
0: it. Mm. And you also are painting the characters when they're older and, you know, there's a lot of artists in comics who have, who really struggle with paint with, with, with depicting the same people at different ages in their lives. And I thought that this was an, you did an amazing job of, you know, oh, thank you. look of aging, of aging people appropriately, especially to like the right level. Um, like how, yeah, like what, 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 how do you approach that?
2: Uh, uh, you know, um, it's it's quite difficult, but uh, uh, it's very instinctive, to be honest. Uh, I, I try to relate to each character, and they all have their. It's more about be- body language, honestly, than really design. Like mm. I, I try to know them, and you know, because I'm also in my forties, I kind of uh, I've been through this, and I've been I've seen my friends changing. You know, in a way, it's just about remembering
1: it's definitely something in the book we've worked quite i mean all these issues we've worked on like issue two clay we have ended up basically paying clayton twice over it got relettered so much <laughs> you know mm, uh in wow. that kind of, and like stephanie is like you know so she's done amazing stuff but there's we've always been like bits we oh no that's not quite right we're gonna have to retweak it That like <laughs> the, the book is always being tweaked as True. well so it's like it, it's got you know stephanie's worked really hard on it and then we've kind of stepped back and go actually we could be better <laughs> uh, so like I mean but I me mean for the writing as well yeah like, no,
2: but it's okay yeah. like uh, I I really don't mind it mm. like uh, we all work as a team and Absolutely. that's good are you painting digitally somehow or on paper or oh <laughs> I left the paper ages ago at least for interiors once in a while yeah. I did covers in, in traditional not for this not yet at least but uh no I'm more comfortable with with digital uh for interiors because
0: when I had uh, I, I, I you, you did a um, a commission for me at a con a number of years ago and it was you know done on paper and I was just astonished at how fast <laughs> you were able to make something so beautiful. I have oh. image of Sarah right on my wall, absolutely the like one of the best su- superhero comics characters of all time. But Thank I was just you stunned. So much. I'm like, how can you do this so fast? This is wizardry. <laughs> um, so. So uh, Solomon, who's the kid who's, who's being the dungeon master in the story, when he offers the new game at the start of the, the, the party that kicks off, the birthday party that kicks off the series, he describes it as being, quote, fantasy for grownups. And Ash, our protagonist, says, we were deluded enough to think that's what we wanted. So since this new series is also described as fantasy for grownups, what does that mean <laughs> to us?
2: <laughs>
1: oh, oh. I was going to say, I think that's the only sort of, that sort of question. Uh, I'd um Elizabeth Sandifier who did the first review of Die, actually, uh, she noted uh, it's like it's definitely the moment when Kieran states the theme <laughs> in terms of yeah. like if if you haven't been paying attention, this is what we're doing <laughs> and this is what we're <laughs> unpacking. Uh, yeah, that's what I think we're going to discover along the way. <laughs> it's like you know what does what does any of that mean? And for like for me, the, the what immediately attracted to me was we with Die, we get to compare these teenage fantasies to with whatever your adult uh, life ends up ending up where was the gap what did you learn what did you gain I mean like one of those you know th- th- that's a part of me The I've said earlier about the characters so much for me is about that in terms of like what do these characters were then I've mentioned Isabel in terms of I was awful how can I ever make amends for like how I used to be then you got someone like um, I mean Matt's interesting because Matt was obviously you know, very depressed and like Matt is in a much hmm. better place now you know he he you know, he went for the grief night when he was <laughs> uh, but now he's not that person. He's not the depressed teenage boy. I mean forced to go, go back and rest for that again. That's not some that's not something he ever would want to happen.
2: Who and then, would want yeah. that?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so all that is then, I guess, isn't there? So that's kinda of like what does even fantasy the grown ups mean? I mean kinda of mm. like I'm interested I mean we said earlier, it's, like, it's about fantasy as a genre and fantasy as in role playing games, but it's also this, the, the, the basic concept of imagining. You know, like this as an evolutionary thing humans do and uh, like the entire concept of the fantasy genre is like this weird extended hypermutation, like a crest. Like it's a peacock's tail. Like that's sounds like <laughs> as far as I've best researched, you know, the ability to imagine is about being able to like see things that might hurt you or whatever. Like imagine possible futures which could possibly be kill you. And mm-hmm. the same way, we have used that in, and we've spanned that off like a peacock. It's this wonderful <laughs> like oh no, that's a you know, let's imagine an entirely better worlds, a level where we can absolutely you know step back uh from reality into the, you know and live in fantasy if we wanted to
0: that's um, an amazing uh, metaphor i love it that's yeah, great yeah it's really and, interesting yeah that's a really great quote animal psychology like i love it i mean yeah, animal like yeah. c- whatever
1: yeah that, that's absolutely this is 100 percent the stuff which is all the thing about diets it's a lot <laughs> it's like <laughs> we could have just done it as a really good like, people go to a fantasy world and have these six characters have the emotional journey with them that would have been a really good comic and me and stephanie have like have just put a lot more into it not i'm not, I'm not even sure that's a good thing <laughs> it's like well it, but yeah it is no i'm done. excited
0: i want to know when can i play this game when when <laughs> am i going to get to play the rpg that you guys literally created for the purposes of making this comic
1: it's like we didn't have to make it but we couldn't help ourselves i mean looks like yeah <laughs> i um i the current basically as part of the the game it, it's definitely quite weird because sometimes it's like which is the do- which is the dog and which is the tail you know that kind of thing <laughs> and it moved between like periods when I was working intensely on this game part and and then on the actual comic. and in practice they've, they've ended up being this sort of weirdly symbiotic thing. They've sort of grown closer and became this singular weird statement. I mean part of me is thinking like die is less formalist than Wick do is. And like mm-hmm. in terms of what we do in the comics as it? it's kind of quite it's a natural storytelling mode more. And I was like, well, where, where's the formalism gone? And of course, the formalism and the fact we've got an entire 50,000-word RPG system <laughs> hanging off the side. That's <laughs> oh true. Uh, but the current the plan was, I wanted to release it around issue one. Actually, my original plan was releasing the back matter, like, in parts. <laughs> uh, but after I did the, all this work, I realized it's not going to, in its smallest part, it's not going to fit in in the back. So, okay, what I'll do is release it circa issue one. Then I realized there's too many spoilers in the, the what I wanted to release for like issue 5 and 6, 5 and 4 So it's okay, what I'm actually going to Hope to do, and you know, this is not 100% definite, it's released, it's a free PDF Circa issue 5 Or when the trade comes out, because basically What the RPG does in its Present state is, basically lets you Play through your version of the first arc When I say your version, I mean radically different. I It's not like you go around mm-hmm. the same dungeon Or anything, it's, the game is about A way to generate a fantasy adventure For any group of like, any Social group you conceptualise if that makes any sense, so like you kind of what you actually do in the game is you generate your group of people who know each other, <laughs> and then you drag them into the game, and then they go for this adventure, which is entirely tailored to their own hopes and fears and insecurities. Uh, that's the idea, anyway. So, yeah,
2: you have to do the work of the illustrator and do double design for just one yes. game.
1: It's, sorry, it's like I, I wanted to, I really want to do like something. With, I mean, *Wicked* is incredibly me, but with *Die*, I wanted to go like even further, like to just a ludicrous degree, uh, which is. I think to the level where if I talk about it, I'm very aware that some, sort of like pure comics, people are sitting there going, that? this sounds too much for me. And it's like, th- that's kind of part of the fun of Die for me, And that Oh, no, no, it, it, you can just read it like Narnia. As in, they go to a fancy world. <laughs> but it's also got this, th- there's so much other stuff to it. Like, you know, if you want to go deep, it, it will it will reward you. And there's I'm very aware there's so much stuff in the game and the world we will never touch in the comic. I mean, like, so give me a random example. The concept mm-hmm. of the Grief Knights, that's, there's actually this, that's one eighth of the actual knight classes. Like, there's another seven. <laughs> there's another seven. There's another seven sorts of knights in the in the game world, and we've just picked one which is thematically appropriate. So, like, if I just really get...
0: want to play this RPG. For the record, I would spend money. You don't need to give this away for free. I would buy
2: it. Or well, what, what we're gonna do is like a game master screen. Oh yeah, that's true. That's and plan. this way, we can actually print the rules on mm. one side and just a nice art art stuff on the other side.
1: I am thinking about if we well that's the PDF actually also doing a print edition at the same time but why would ideally after it comes out or like in the back matter of the issue like do more kind of like extra stuff like every issue along the way and then like when die's is over like do a fan do a big hard edition, you know. If people actually like it, you know that yeah. kind of will go. By the time we get the end, I really but, want to do a campaign. It'd be so good. Yeah, yeah. literally, like cause the game actually the stuff in the basic stuff I give out. Whilst I say this is a one off, and you don't really play it across multiple sessions if you want to, so it's not like a one off, one off. But the, everything in the actual game will give you is going to give you be able to give you much more than you actually need to do that. So, <laughs> in other words, people be playing it as a campaign anyway. I ju- I'll say, you know it's not proofed but people will be able to go off and do it and the great joy of course you release it and then if we do a fancy edition it's been playtested properly I mean (laughs) like I've I've done a bunch of playtests already Like I think it's 7 or 8 playtests so far yeah
2: we played it
1: yeah yeah Uh, you
2: are a very good game master thank
1: you me and Stephanie we ran it uh, the, the day after New York Comic Con uh, and we got some people together and we were obviously all tired it was like me who was there uh,
2: there was Jodie
1: yeah jo- yeah. Uh, Jodie uh, yeah. there was um, Telson from Critical Role there was uh, Tia uh, from oh Tia yeah, was there too yes and Stephanie and I ran a game in it, in it, like it, like the short form compressed game and it worked really well it, and it culminates in this ludicrous battle where like enormous works of like there was a Truth crawls out of her well, pointing <laughs> an army of Instagram statue Instagram photos in a way which I have no idea how we got there. <laughs>
2: uh, and like in any games that I play, I burned the whole thing you down. There's
1: a lot of fire.
2: That was fun. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but it's also I the am, thing about wow. It's like, I'm it's, really it's a, jealous. <laughs> it's so fun. And the thing is, like, it's a fun. It's a manual. It's like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I really like as a kid. I really like game manuals. And I sort of and it's written. It's me writing a game manual. Like there's even if you don't like gay, like you don't have any interest in games. There's like a lot of essays at the back about narrative structure and how you create stories and what actually makes people interested in things. So I think people will be able to read it and just get a giggle anyway. Like if you have any, if you have, you know my writer's notes and all that kind of stuff I do extra, It's kind of like a fifty thousand word writer's note, <laughs> uh, and it's and it's you know, if people like my writing, it's they should like it as a, as an, an object because I think it's pretty funny. That's great. It's, it's
2: funny, so, but no.
1: it's long. It is long. <laughs> but it's like, generally, my plan is to get it to a place. By Christmas, like, I want to actually get to a place where I can give it to people. As mm-hmm. in, I've really, only I've run it. Here is the stuff explained well enough. Take it away, and you can run it. So I'll be giving it to a small group of my friends who I trust to go and doing and give me some feedback and see how they get on.
0: That's fabulous. I, I really think it's exciting to have sort of this meta-textual game that's happening as well and i'm also personally i'm really hungry for rpgs that aren't mathy and i suspect that this is not mathy
1: it's like it's an it's comp-
2: well if it's for me there is always too much math yes. inside.
1: I'm, high there's five
2: lot... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, there's, there's
1: more mathy than some systems uh but there's much less mathy than other systems as in mm-hmm. like, I, i've done a lot about uh
2: that doesn't mean anything
1: it doesn't <laughs> no well, i like... mean it's in the middle okay. <laughs> I And mean, it's like kind of there's a there I don't want to how to out the phrase it. I, I'm desperately averse to the concept of addition. As in, like, almost everything in the system I've done is basically to avoid people adding two numbers together, which <laughs> is something that bugs me. Because, <laughs> like, especially, if, like, people are tired and have had a few beers. Like, I'm pretty good mm-hmm. at math, so I'm okay. But definitely when my friends, if they're forced to add two numbers together at half eleven after three yeah. beers, that's not something that's easy to do. Oh, so, like, there's so, so much about the game is. which is about... Like the game my there's, there's, I used to be a games journalist, so stuff I've learned from game design in terms of like what people use objects and how people think. There's a lot in there, but it's like it's not a pure, it's not a narrative game. Like there's there's definitely enough maths there, not maths. There's enough rules there to make it make it work like a classical RPG. And that, mm-hmm. the one thing I haven't done is like there's a, there's some there's a trend in modern RPG style where, or the player kind of player facing, it's called basically where pl- only players make roles uh, which I haven't done because since die is about the question of reality, if you make only players be real, by definition the world they're in isn't real. So mm. I've had to. So whilst I've kept it very simple, I've also had to also simulate the monsters. Like
2: yeah, it's a bit like in Feng Shui where basically you have extra points if the the thing is spectacular enough.
1: Yeah, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there, and also I'll tell you what I am doing is I'm, you have a, all the character sheets have a front sheet which is basically the, the basic standard not standard RPG stuff, but what my version of it. And then you have a second sheet. And if you're playing the basic game, you have one second sheet. And if you're playing a fancier game, you have the uh, a second more complicated sheet with more options in. So like you can <laughs> whoever's running the game can tailor it depending how they want to do that. so uh, which is quite a fun thing to do. Well, I was also thinking about, f- about
0: de- developing a balanced cast, like you guys were building you know multiple characters for the main core cast of the of the uh, of the series It's sort of like developing a balanced party, right? like how are you going to have the people who can do the kinds of tasks that need to happen and Mm. like sure you can have an all barred party my friend has done that (laughs) but most of the time people won't do that uh so yeah i guess i was sort of thinking about that sort of connection like you like having to having a system where you're able to have people who can do all the things that need to happen but you're also developing characters that'll play off each other well in the story
1: Mm. there's definitely kind of lots of stuff in the game like as well as the personality size of the game there's also there's a degree of inter-party inter- co- not conflict is the wrong word but tensions as in different mm. character classes kind of quote unquote need different things as in like the bind ends up having to make deals with gods for example and like well if you make a deal with a god like how does that going to end up <laughs> and if you know that kind of stuff mm. uh, and especially when the rest of the party maybe don't want to do it so that's one side. so there's all different levels of conflict but the um, part of the design was also each class being flexible enough to be played in different ways so you could generally like the Neo is abstractly kind of clearly kind of roguey you know yeah. that kind of like but you could completely do a, a, a Neo build which is like the Terminator <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. if you wanted to go that way Or mm-hmm. and then also the level of difficulty there's some classes like the Dictator uh, who are really quite not hard to play but are demanding to play like they involve more emotional complexity and you know explicitly the game suggest not giving the dictator to if you don't if you just trust someone's emotional majority don't give them the dictator
2: yeah and there are several levels yeah. too you know mm-hmm. I, I, I i very often mention the fact that i thought about them as pokemons
1: yes there's <laughs> different levels <laughs> that, that, of evolutions yeah. <laughs> and the god the god by this question sure because it's quite a high, a high that's like middle high and then you've got the other side the fall and the fall is explicitly a class designed for somebody who just wants to be like chuck <laughs> <laughs> not like be like chuck but like you know play it like you know, as in you, you've got less rules there's lots of stuff, and, you, and like, you don't need to emotionally commit to the game in the same way. In hmm. some ways, the, if you actually emotionally overcommit, it causes problems with the fall for reasons to. So, you can play it like a very sophisticated role player, uh, and we can, well, it's also like the an easy mode for player, and it's really quite easy to do. And there's much less math, you know, not not maths, but there's less stuff to worry about. <laughs> Does that make uh-huh. sense? So, like, I, like, there's all these kind of things I've been thinking about, and like, as a game, there's so much about the fetishism of the dice, and obviously that's in die, uh, yes. but like. It's like every every player basically owns one dice, and only they get to touch it.
0: <laughs> Just so wild. Well, one of the things I noticed in the character designs, right, is that you know the fool, like he, he gets the uh, he gets the how many eight sided the standard dice, D6. and he's wearing that. Sorry, thank you. I, I, Math and I are not friends, um, and which is again fights back to why I ended up playing bards a lot. Um, but like you, he has that die as an earring, and I was th- started to look back at the images and say, oh, are other people's dice on their person in some visible way?
1: Yes, they all. are. Like, you know, yeah. that's the... Uh, you can If you can't really see it in issue one, can you? But, um, yeah. But I will be able to. Yeah. I was about to say, like, the you could probably guess where, like, Ashes is.
2: Actually, mm-hmm. Matt's uh, is certainly the most difficult.
1: Yeah, Matt's quite hard to see, actually.
2: And Angela, you sort of have to guess it because you don't see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you can work it out. So in the actual game the fall is quite fun because the, as you know the fall is absolutely a normal dice as in it's di- most of the game runs off d6s as in you, it's a mm-hmm. dice pool system you roll a d6 mm-hmm. 4 plus is a success sorry 4 plus is a success but like what you do if the everyone else has got this fancy you know the, they own this very fancy book of dice but as a fall you get to draw on your dice so words you get to change the numbers and cheat oh
0: uh, my
1: God. which is like and generally the fall is uh, you know it's a bit like oh I'm a naughty and it's a, it's a weird foot of being a naughty boy <laughs> that kind of like uh, that sort of cheerful vandalism to it um yeah that's a fun mechanic
0: wow I, that's probably what I want to do even though I actually am I get really emotionally invested but I just I I'm not good at rules and details and I'd, i I think that would be a really great class for me to play so thank you for answering my next question <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry uh, God, already... you would
1: enjoy Godbinder as well Godbinder you actually have conversations with the gods <laughs> so in other words, like, if, you want, if you want the god to do something it's like you suddenly have to start chatting to the god of light or whatever uh, oh. So, oh. and in natural game I end up like customising what the god, you get to customise who your gods are the last game we played like uh, there was the god, it was, it was slightly tongue in cheek but it was like a rock and roll god of the wild called Steppenwolf <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I was basically pretending to be a 1970s rock star uh, and I do this thing where I actually stand behind the player when playing a god, so I sort of whisper in their ear oh. so you never actually get to see the god but you're going to hear their voice uh, so that's quite a you know if you like just the role playing of it like there is some stuff but that kind of oh no I now get to play with these NPCs and try to talk them into doing something it's good stuff that's
0: an amazing way to do it I like things that are more driven by interpersonal interactions and like relationships and improvisation that's mm. amazing I, I, I also was working on something where we had like literally the god of partying like, <laughs> awesome. was yeah, like would sort of like looks like Andrew w. k, but also the floating wolf head from adventure time, who's the god of parties <laughs> on that world, but anyway, that's freaking cool, I want to get into this um, how many issues are we getting
1: we um we don't I mean I don't like saying how long something is but it's, it's ongoing pl- it's ongoing it's like a short ongoing as it's not as long as Wicked, uh mm-hmm. but it's that not like it's not like 12 issues shall we say (laughs) you know it's it's like it's it's like a bunch of trades like i'm I'm gonna say about half the size of Wickdiv. and like and the issues are longer than wikdivs as well so like five issues are basically the equivalent of like 60 normal issues
0: that's true and we get so much lovely painting in it i was so struck by the uh the the spread that stephanie did where you have the um the diagonal slashes of panels of where everybody is getting their character class assigned to them based on the kind of person they want to play. And like, they get their dice assigned and you have these really warm panels, which is them in the room, in the bedroom, in the reality. And then the cool toned one of them being given the dice. Oh my God. That was, that was a splash page.
2: Thank you so much.
1: It's like Stephanie's call. It's like Stephanie's choices are appropriate. Do you want to talk about the, um, the rain scene?
2: Oh, not really. Do it. <laughs> no, don't. You're we'll the talk, one who shows we'll it so all the much. time.
1: So it's like Stephanie was. was you were saying, like, like for her, it's like what, rougher or rawer. Yeah,
2: because you know, I actually did this uh, this double uh, very fast, mm. and mm. I kept thinking during the whole time I was doing the rest of the the comic. I never do the whole comic in the the regular um, way, you know, and mm. don't start with one and I don't end with the last page. Usually, I I try to put it in, you know. Just to have a, an equal quality during the whole thing, and uh, when I, I did this thing, uh, I was I was thinking I will go back to it uh, later, but I never did actually. Uh, uh, I felt like I, I should maybe, but I didn't want to.
1: Mm. Yeah, like those pages have so much emotional energy. As I think, it's like the fact it's like stuff it's you doing the spot, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the strokes of red and the color and the moments you are choosing. that's kind of like a lot. Of like the atmosphere really, really brings up the emotions a bit.
2: Yeah, and yeah. they are the only pages that actually have like uh, I would say vivid colors from the whole uh, part that is like um, mm. in the real world, mm. because this is the moment where the wor- the the barrier between words is. Thinning.
1: Yeah. I mean, you say so much about Ash's response to the, the getting the dice, isn't it? It's that kind of like, oh, no, he's in a moment of extreme emotion here, mm-hmm. and it's presented like that. Um, yeah. I'm really, you know, That's it's really heightened, really <laughs> gorgeous.
0: Um, one of the other things is that, like, because of the, you know, you guys invented, I believe invented this, like, role-playing game notion <clears throat> where, like, they have an agreement called, like, a, a geas where they're not allowed to talk about mm. what had happened. And it made me think about like as a teenager like you there's just and then becoming an adult as well like there's certain things you cannot talk about with the adults and that's like sort of part of the agreement of being a young person um sure. and then of course yeah. now they are the adults i don't know i just thought that was a parallel It was probably a deliberate piece there but
1: um it's interesting i mean obviously gas is um obviously it's an irish term about that it, it does basically what i um it happens in the comic. It's it's a, it's a. compulsion of something you can't break, You've got something you've got to do. So it's like. It, but you're right. Like. Um, the, the mashing up of like fantasy tropes and metaphorical things about life is certainly there in the book. I mean, issue two, when you get to it, it's like issue one. We've deliberately. This is our pitch. Like <laughs> this is kind of the book. This is the emotional tone. These are these are the characters who they are. That you know the core of it. And issue two is kind of like, what we do like issue two is like a sampling plate as in here is this mm. here is the scene where something like this happens here's a scene where this happens i mean you don't get that every issue but like here is you know
2: yeah the whole the whole thing is there yeah and...
1: this is the palette and then of course issue three is actually the remaining color we have it we don't use as in issue three is its own color and that's the other thing we do mm. so like by the end of issue two you kind of you put pro- actually who said it, it was a uh, the polygon writer alex spencer said um uh, by the end of issue two you think you know what you, you, oh, you, <laughs> th- you think you know what die is i think you've got a pretty good idea what the book is and issue three is the oh no you don't know what diet. is <laughs> as in like kind of like as in know oh, it's also this as it issue free mm. three is this as say, it's a talking issue and it's got this very uh, strong singular take uh and then issue four ends up going where it does but that kind of we're very much interested in like introducing the palettes and bringing the ideas in and what you re- the reason why i mentioned that is when you're saying in terms of like like the secrets of childhood and, gay ass, and the chaos of the, the players are kind of analogous. That's kind of the sort of thing. Like the um, there's, there's bits where the fancy, the real world, their real world fantasies impact the fantasy they're going through. There's other bits where it's about the absolute, the remainder of things they did coming back to haunt them when they're in this fantasy world. And as well, course, issue two is also let's make the character classic and see what they can do. <laughs> oh, cool. So it's like issue two, you get the you know we get the pop thrill a bit of it. actually saying, okay, what can Godbinders actually do?
2: Do you actually think about the three first issues as a whole? Mm. Because I, I actually asked you to give me a bunch of, of uh, um,
1: scripts, yeah, scripts yeah, we'll go. Yeah, in the yeah. same
2: time. Like, at first, I wanted to have six. <laughs> <laughs> end
1: of the arc, five, I think we were going.
2: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, uh, the thing is, because I'm... Um, It takes a a toll for me to change from roughs to to finish. I wanted to do the whole sketching before starting. Mm. So I was wondering if you actually designed the three first scripts as a whole or uh, as
1: uh, one issue. I know, I do, when I'm thinking about arcs, I know the arc, especially when you're starting a series, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, what do I need to say uh, in each issue and what they want to do? So it's kind of like, I knew the issue one is like, anything which doesn't have to be an issue one, I don't put in issue one. Mm Like, is a kind of like hit, I say, it's the core pictures, and this is what we want to like sell you as a hard work. But you know, as in, I want to welcome you and This is what I'm about? And issue two is almost, as I said, always is the Here's what else we are. Then issue three is where it actually is kind of like okay, we've established all that, and issue three is showing that oh no, and we're the ambition of the book, I guess. Like issue two kind of shows what sort of issue issue two is like lots of interesting and like some like I think Clayton said it's like the most horrible scene he's ever lettered. One of the bits. In the two. Which, yeah. Yeah, which is saying a lot for Clayton. <laughs> Clayton letters, Redlands, Clayton ret- letters, like Mr. Miracle. What else is he letter? But, like, you know, some pretty serious books. Mm-hmm. And it, plus, it's a pretty horrible scene. But, like, an issue three is much about, like, the... the... I had a friend, who, one of the people who've read it said, you know those are unwritten issues where they really go for a big swing? All those bits of Sam when they kind of, like, they do a kind of format breaker? Issue three is kind of like that. Like, i love
2: issue
1: three yeah it's love I mean, issue three is one of my favorite things i've ever done and stephanie kills on it and also the think issue three is i said it's very serious and it's emotional and it makes me cry but it's also like i said i promised stephanie a, dr- a dragon to draw <laughs> <laughs> i said that's i'll true. promise you a dragon by issue three <laughs> and oh. so issue three gets a stephanie hands dragon which is amazing
0: like, that's exciting <laughs> yeah. totally i mean i'm sure that that's a lot of the appeal for for doing fantasy as, as a painter right
2: yeah, uh, I I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just it's just really cool to do. I always wanted to uh, to paint fantasy, uh, or more like I always felt like I should paint fantasy, but I didn't want to because I uh, I thought it was uh, not too easy. But it would be too easy to su- just focus on what I wanted to to draw and skip the serious like a uh, um, quote mark <laughs> serious stuff. You know, mm. I wanted to be able to do the whole thing and then come back to fantasy. It's true.
1: Well, that, I forgot yeah. to say, the planning, like, I, I don't think it arcs, as in like, this is what this arc's about, so I know it's the end of Die, as in, this arc is about this and these things happen, and this is what the characters grow from, they change, but there's also a lot of room for, like, improvisation along the way, uh, like, just, I, I, I know the titles for each arc now, actually, <laughs> which Ooh. I'm excited by, yeah, yeah, as in that, I normally, like, with. With Wicked, I only knew that near the end, as in I wasn't 100 sure about the final arc until we did it. Um, mm-hmm. But with Die, I always knew like, okay, those three are the intros, as in that. <laughs> By issue three, you kind of know ev- not everything we do, but the core of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And issue four and five is when the plot kicks back into high gear, as in like and that kind of. And then we built uh, then we build towards a climax. Like, issue four is the kind of oh yeah, we you know what the actual nature of the book and it, it becomes apparent. And issue five, it's the
2: it's quite the monster.
1: Yeah, yeah. Issue five is like, oh no, this is what we're really doing, <laughs> and they kind of realize you kind of realize how the book is going to operate for another X number of issues. <laughs> I mean, people got remember reading Whipdiv? People, I saw people at like, towards the end of Rising Action or Force Fark when they're going to hunt down an Uh and, and people think, how on earth they can continue from this? This is this is clearly the last arc, <laughs> and then you see how we end that fourth arc, and people, oh right, that's how they're going to continue it because this is clearly the. the this is awful. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And that, we're kind of like that. As in, at the end of each arc is kind of like, oh, right, this is a new status quo. Uh, and that's how I tend to think, as in every arc should create a new status Not should, but I like to think it, because it, I like novels, and like the idea of like, so I like thinking about my work as novels. So like, an on, all ongoings are like one very large meta novel, but the individual chapters which have been collected means I want them to be a meaningful, aesthetic chunk of story. So, like when you pick up like Dive's first volume or Dive's second volume, or, you know, it's like here is something that hangs together with a theme and payoff and like builds together. And then when you read them all together, it has a different effect. And also when you read individual issues, it has a different effects. It's kind of like the Russian nesting doll model. Whew, that's a lot of words.
0: No, it's fabulous. <laughs> I I'm really thank you. Um, so, uh, are there any particular um, RPG systems that you guys are playing now or have recently played that you would want to recommend to? our listeners if they wanted to try
2: something while they're waiting patiently for your new rpg there is no time in my life for <laughs> a game in any case. i don't even have a television Wow! <laughs> no. No. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working going to the swimming pool and sometimes having you know, a little drink with friends
1: hmm. <laughs> yeah conversely i'm very lazy and i no uh, i suppose it's absolutely research now is the thing i last mm-hmm. year in fact, two years ago it's two years ago now. It's basically when I was researching Die, I, me and a few friends, we did a kind of a group, and it was basically playing short campaigns of games, like one one-offs or like mm-hmm. no more than four episodes, and we played a lot of games, and we just, so it was basically kind of get a grounding of where the form is now. Um, so the campaign I'm presently running is a game called Legacy, uh, or uh, actually it's Legacy Two. I forgot it's sequel, but it's basically a kind of post-apocalyptic game where it plays across two levels, where you generate a world between the players, because it's like an Apocalypse World game, which is one of the popular ways people do narrative games at the moment, uh, where you say you generate this world where the world's ended for some reason, and then everybody plays like tribes, i think they're, sorry, families they're called, and they're basically the, so one people might be the, the Mad Max biker uh, warrior sorts, and the other people mm-hmm. might be like the trader sorts, and then you've got the weirder classes, like basically the Terminators, <laughs> and you've got a- <laughs> aliens who've been crashed on Earth, and then you actually, so you're playing all these at the tribe level, and the political interaction. And then you zoom in and play the hero of that tribe, which you also get to define between another 13 classes. And so you go between these kind of individual heroic stories where they interact, occasionally helping, occasionally against each other. And then you pull out and do the kind of Game of Thrones interaction at the world scale. And that's really interesting. And it's desperately overambitious. And <laughs> uh, I'm quite enjoying that. I'm also going to run a Lovecraft, I'm going to run a trailer, trailer Cthulhu. I've never ran a horror game ever. And that's something i want yeah. to run after christmas oh and monster Hots, uh monster hearts 2 by every adler is an amazing game about t- uh, queer teenage monsters basically it's think, think think about stuff like ginger snaps like you would love uh, fact, i will buy it for you right? actually i bought <laughs> I, I buy regularly buy monster hearts for critics in terms of you really should like this and it's basically oh, wow. like uh, it's all basically using monsters as a like uh, queer teenage sexuality kind of examining themselves um and it's really, it's really smart and it's, uh, I said, it's halfway between ginger, it can play anywhere between Ginger Snaps and Buffy, anywhere along that axis, uh, in fact, even considerably further than Ginger Snaps, um, but yeah, it's a hell of a game, I love it.
0: Oh wow, I'm gonna have to check that out, thank you. Mm. Well, well, thank you guys so much for joining me, um, do you want to just shout out, uh, I, I know, Stephanie, like, this is probably consuming every waking moment, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know how all encompassing making art as a painter is, um. It, but uh, if there's anything you want to shout out that folks should be checking out that you're creating in addition and also where they can find you online to see all your work and, and give you all the money.
2: Oh, well, <laughs> oh, I'm good, really. Uh, you, you, you can go on my website, but the, the title is in French, so you just have to type my name. Um, like, uh, you will find me. Yes.
0: And you're also on Twitter as Hans, yeah. H-A-N-S, Stephanie.
2: Yeah, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I actually have two Instagram, one for the travels and one for the art. And oh. and website, which is the proper way to contact me for uh, job offers. But I, uh, really, I don't want more. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so if anyone offers any
1: more work, it's like, no, no, no it's like, I, I'm going to like leave her alone. She's drawing die. <laughs> yeah,
2: for real. Uh, and Kieran, you
0: have a lot of stuff coming out.
1: Yeah, it's busy. Um still on Star Wars, which I'm... Uh, like, I'm heading towards the end of my run. Like, it's a big climax, which is good. Uh, Wickdiv is coming to a close. Like, I have a few issues left to write, but it's... Issue 41 came out, like, this week. Mm-hmm. Sorry, issue 40 came out this week, and issue 45 is the final issue, probably out in June. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm doing a book called Peter Cannon from The Bolt with Dynabite, which is a, a revival of the 1960s character, a uh, 1960s Charleston character, who's primarily known as being the inspiration for Ozymandias. And this is me doing a kind of, like... It's like imagine like it's me being very playful and like trying to do a state of the art superhero comic with like uh, an inc- like an mm. agreeably aggressive team of people mm. who want to be interesting. It's fun mm. and audacious. It's like um, it's it's a bit like it's the closest thing I've done to Young Avengers since Young Avengers. Not even like even, like, even Wicked wasn't really like Young Avengers. No, just, not, in terms not. of like the the formal playfulness and the about superheroes. It just happens. It, it stars much older people. It's like a. Uh, I keep on saying the main influence on Peter Cannon's design is uh, Dream Daddy the video game so it's very <laughs> much like we're heavily into that but um, and that kind of uh, troublesome slightly mischievous attitude that kind of percolated Young Avengers that's very much in there and so I think mm-hmm. people be like it's sort of thing people pick up issue one and go oh right this is what's happening and then they'll go okay what, what, what's, Kieran and, what's Kieran and the rest of them going to do now so that's fun uh, and die, and that's it. I mean, basically, die, uh, Uber's on hold a bit while I trying to sort out how to do the last four issues. Uh, and I'm doing one other thing that hasn't been announced yet, which is like a, a mini, but which sounds like a lot, but by this time next year, I will just be doing die. Everything else oh, will wow. be done. Yeah.
2: Unless I'm dead.
1: Unless you're dead. No, I'll, I'll, I will basically resurrect you as, a, <laughs> as kind of like, I will be basically a lich esque creature that you will not sleep, that uh, you will not rest in the eternal grave. Yeah, <laughs> it's true.
0: My dual projects will be like making sure Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't die and keeping Stephanie Hans alive. So (laughs) that's, those are are good projects for me. Yeah, I'm
2: pretty much in favor of keeping Stephanie Hans alive.
1: Yes. (laughs) You're basically, uh, you're now the guardian of civilization. (laughs) These two women must live.
0: (laughs) That's not unfamiliar to me at all. No. um, Well, thank you guys for joining us. And oh, and Kieran, of course, obviously you, you have your, oh my God, Tumblr is ending. Are you going to, well, I guess you're going to, what are you going to do? I was going to say everybody should check out your Tumblr for Meta. But Tumblr basically
2: die.
1: Yeah, yeah, I just made a joke about this, but yeah, Tumblr's like censorous black hole is an amazing thing. Uh, it's
2: not really dying, is it?
1: It probably will. Like, I know, have you haven't followed. I'll talk about this when you get online. Uh,
2: because I, I saw that uh, they uh, installed a new policy against porn. Is it uh, why it's dying? It's kind of.
1: It, it's like um, they're just not doing it very well. Is the best way. This is a much longer conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want
2: to get too of that. But oh,
1: But sorry. I guess for
0: now we can read your uh, meta analysis of your work on tumblr for the time being yeah it's
1: annoying because it's the thing about it is like if tumblr genuinely it's a really useful thing for just basically tagging and doing low level blogging if i had to go mm-hmm. back to wordpress that's a lot of work it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. so i'm not i'm probably dialing back my appearance on tumblr but it's certainly useful i mean, die's got a site if people are interested it's called uh diecomic.com which is that's basically a centralized link place and it's designed to be just give the information you need uh, i'm on twitter kieran kieran gillan and i mainly make puns that's kind of what i do <laughs> well, and thank retweet you reviews. Both. <laughs> thank best.
0: you both i'm so happy to be doing this really loving this comic it's definitely on my best of list no question what i i, I and i couldn't be more excited for the rpg2 so uh thank you very much and thank you to our listeners our our next episode is going to be about the new shira cartoon i've got some amazing critics coming on to join me I promise. cartoonist queerness, enthusiasm. And um, so we'll be taping that really soon. Um, and I want to thank everyone for sticking with the show. You can find me on Twitter, E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's Elana underscore Brooklyn. Obviously, Graphic Policy is at graphicpolicy.com for all your comics, news, information, critical analysis, and more. Um, and thank you for listening to us.